I am Jennifer Nielsen, and this is Let It Glow, Episode 46, Becoming Emotionally Resilient. Ready, set, glow. Welcome to the Let It Glow podcast, a happy place where you'll learn how to let your soul shine and discover new ways to design your best life. I'm your host, Jennifer Nielsen. Welcome to another podcast episode. I am super excited to go over this topic with you. The idea of becoming emotionally resilient is something that I've really been focusing on lately. And as I've been doing a lot of digging around my own triggers and blocks from my past, I've really been reminded once again that avoiding the pain from the past only creates more resistance and suffering. And so as we're moving forward with this podcast, I want to focus on two things with each episode. And number one is letting go of something and then gaining something. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about letting go of codependence and emotional neediness so that you can gain emotional resilience. And all of this is very doable, but a lot of times we don't know how to do that or where this even originated. And I know for me, when I get caught in this cycle, I, you know, kind of avoiding my pain or not dealing with things, I definitely become more emotional, reactive, and less productive. And it feels stifling and even hopeless. And so maybe this is happening for you too. And so that's why I really want to show you what and where this kind of originated so you can name it and then deal with it. And that's what we're here to do. So interestingly enough, breaking this cycle often means taking a closer look at your past. Now, again, we're not blaming the past. We're not fixating on the past. We're just understanding why we developed certain habits, predispositions, why maybe sometimes we're unable to regulate our emotions. So one thing, as I've been looking into this, I find very fascinating is that codependent and needy adults were emotionally neglected as children. Yikes. That <laughs> I know for me, that was definitely a big thing, especially when I was newly married up until, I don't know, maybe even five years ago. I still was looking to my spouse to kind of fill this void within me. And as I've become more emotionally resilient, more emotionally dependent, independent, not dependent, I'm able to operate different in all my relationships. But one big aha for me has come as I've learned more about the effects of childhood emotional neglect. And I really didn't realize how much this shaped the entire trajectory of my own life, but understanding this has helped me find deeper healing and freedom. Because so often we're raised in this certain family system and we don't know that there's another way because it's all we know. And as we get older, we start seeing other families. When we get married, it really slaps us in the face because now we're combining two family systems. And from my perspective, my family system is the way to be. And my, you know, my husband's perspective is that his family system is the way to be. And ultimately, what I found 
is that we get to recreate our own family system. I don't have to do things exactly the way my parents did, and neither does my husband. But also understanding certain areas where things that I thought were normal or maybe things that you thought were normal, understanding what's healthy and what's not healthy will allow you to create a different family system for you and will allow you to function in a more emotionally healthy way with yourself and with everyone in your life. So when I talk about emotional neglect, it's most of us in some form probably experienced varying degrees of this. But there are some children, and I know for me there was areas in my life where I definitely dealt with this emotional neglect, and I didn't really even realize that that was what was happening. So I want you to see if any of these resonate with you. Were you a victim of childhood trauma? And trauma comes in many different forms. And really focusing here, we're looking at emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, loss of a loved one, neglect, all of those things could be put in that category of childhood trauma. And again, as you know, these things happen to us when we're so young, we don't know a version of ourselves without the trauma. We begin to think that we are the trauma or the way that we've learned to cope is who we are, when in reality, it's just a byproduct of us trying to cope with something that was very traumatic and challenging and difficult. So number two, were you raised in a dysfunctional family? And again, there's different ways to look at that. But understanding when you're not able to, you know, have emotional healthy regulation in your family or you have parents that aren't able to do that, that often creates a dysfunctional dynamic. Number three, were you assigned certain roles to fill and live out in your family? Now, this one seems relatively harmless, especially even for me, because my role was seemingly a positive one. I was kind of the 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 peacemaker of the family, kind of the glue of the family. But when your identity becomes that role and it's a role that you didn't really choose, you often don't know who you are without that role. And it's important to identify that so that you can decide who you want to be and be okay with yourself without that role. I've since fired myself from that role. We each get to individually be our own peacemakers and then we'll create a peaceful family. So number four, were there no boundaries in your home? And again, this is really tricky because so often we don't even know what boundaries are. And how do we know if we have boundaries or we don't have boundaries? But as you get older, and I've done actual specific podcasts on boundaries, I would go back and reference those because that is a heavy-handed topic that we could spend a lot of time on. But I know for me, we did not have a lot of boundaries in our home growing up. Number five, did your parents figure, overlook your needs, and or were their needs more important than yours? I was raised in a very large family. There was 10 of us. And I really did, whether it was given to me, assigned to me, or I just took that role on, I felt like I had to be kind of the mini mom of the family. And I often looked at how to placate my mom because I knew she was stressed and dealing with her own issues. And we had all these kids. So I definitely tended to look outward to fix things around me rather than focusing or even knowing what my own needs were. And that really affected me in a big way. 
And again, and that was another role I had to fire myself from as the fixer, the savior of the family. So, and these are all things that aren't always done intentionally, but if they're not working for you as an adult, it's important that you figure out how to rework that and to reframe that and decide who you want to be and what your needs really are. So number six, did your parent figure not know how to regulate their emotions so they were unable to help you regulate yours? So if the the adult figure in our life doesn't know how to regulate their emotions, it makes it much harder to learn how to regulate our emotions. And just to be clear what regulating our emotions is, it's having a sense of, I I hate to use the word control, but essentially managing your emotions so they don't take over and expressing what you're feeling and what you're needing instead of bottling it up or exploding. So that's kind of an example of regulating your emotions. Number seven, did you have attachment issues with one or more of your parents? And this, again, is something for me that I've I've kind of had to look deeper at and understand that being raised in such a large family, that there was a, I mean, there was only so much time to go around. And I think some of that, I felt like I've suffered in that way with that attachment with my mom. And it's something we've had to work through here in my later years to kind of rework that and to figure that out. But again, it's not to blame or make our parents wrong because I can certainly guarantee that my kids will have things that they're going to have to work on that I was short in or areas that I you know, struggled in. But if we don't name it, if we don't address it, then we can't deal with it and we can't heal from it. So it's essential that we look at things from like a bird's eye view of looking at it to understand, but not to blame. Number eight, were your desires and feelings shut down by your parental figure? And this kind of looks like if you had certain dreams or ideas or hopes or feelings or complaints that you expressed and they were shut down or you were redirected or told you that you were wrong or that you should do this or you should feel that, that's a big one. And again, I love learning this and figuring this out because I want to show up differently for my kids than I probably, even my younger kids have a different version of me than my older kids did because I'm learning so much. And that's what I want for you is to show up in the most healthy way possible. So that's why we're really breaking this all down. And it's very, very helpful because a lot of these things are very common and we don't even often realize that they are damaging. Number nine, did you go to your parent figure with a traumatic or confusing event and they dismissed it? And this is a really, really tricky one when we're dealing with trauma because sometimes there's not even a place of comfort to even go to the parent. And then like for me, a lot of you know my situations, it was more I had physical reactions or emotional reactions to going to certain things that we didn't really understand that that was actually a connection to not wanting to go to music lessons where I know that my perpetrator would be or not wanting to go to family events where I know that he would be. And I didn't know how to verbalize that, but there are other ways that I showed that. But I do know that this happens a lot where kids go to their adult figure, to their parent, and the parent shut them down, or they have a hard time wrapping their own brain around that this kind of trauma could happen. And sometimes that gets ignored. So I would just suggest that you err on this side of listening to your kids and researching and figuring things out always over ignoring it and brushing it under the rug. 
Number 10, were you raised with unrealistic expectations and pressure to perform an achieved desire? So this is a fine line, you know, growing up because we all need guidance. That's why we have parents. But when that guidance turns to control and it turns to manipulation and it turns to not really listening to what the person needs. I I don't know if this is something that you experience as a child, but I definitely know for me that many of my decisions and my choices were made based on what would please my parents or what I knew they'd want me to do. Case in point, I got my degree in elementary education. I wanted to go into psychology, but I was gently nudged into this other degree because it seemed more um, practical as a mom and and I whatever. I did it. I'm glad I got my degree, but it was not necessarily what I wanted. And looking back now, I can see even at a young age, I knew what I was interested in. And it was psychology. It was understanding why people do what they do. So a lot of this can be difficult to reconcile because when we are looking at things in our past that might have caused us some pain, some dysfunction in our past, we often feel like we're being disloyal to our parents or the adults in our life that took care of us. And that's why it's important to understand that you can appreciate things in your childhood. You can also acknowledge the things that didn't work for you, that were painful. And that's a healthy way to regulate your emotions. It's acknowledging what is so and learning from it, growing from it, and then moving forward from that. But it it just goes back to we're naming, not blaming. Because when you can connect the dots to why you do what you do, It allows you, again, to heal and take ownership over your life. And that is what I want you to do, is to take ownership over your life, take ownership over your emotions and your reactions, and be the person that you want to be, not the person that's just victim to your emotions or your circumstances or, or, you know, someone who's constantly being triggered. But if you weren't taught how to do this as a child, and you weren't given the space to do this as a child or to figure this out— you're going to have to figure it out as an adult. This is one of my favorite quotes, and I've said it before, but I will repeat it again. You are not responsible for the programming you received as a child, but you are 100% responsible as an adult to fix it. And how do you fix it? Well, it starts with learning to regulate your emotions. And there's, I mean, we all kind of regulate our emotions in a different way. But first off, it's important to understand that we are in charge of how we react, regardless of what has been done to us, how angry someone might be at us, whatever's coming at us, we still have the ability to respond and choose how we respond in a healthy way. And there's a lot of ways that we regulate our emotions with external kind of buffers, I might call them. Sometimes, you know, when you're faced with a challenge or when you're stressed, do you dissociate? And do you use buffers like food, exercise, sex, substance abuse, Netflix binging, that's a big one, and shopping? I mean, there's there's many of these that we use to avoid pain or discomfort. And what's interesting about many of these is they can also be a benefit. I mean, we have to eat. Exercising is good for us. I mean, many of these aren't inherently wrong or bad. It's just when we're avoiding dealing with our own pain and working through so that we can heal from something, sometimes those buffers get in the way of that. And you want to be mindful of that and to identify when it crosses over from a benefit 
to a buffer. And when you start paying attention, it's pretty easy to know the difference. But if we don't pay attention, then we're just gonna be robotically reacting to what's going on around us. Because really the truth is living your life in autopilot is not living. And if you're not paying attention to things, if you're not trying to resolve some of these painful things in your past, you're not taking accountability for your reactions and your emotions, then you're basically living in autopilot. And the way that I have learned and the way that I help others regulate their emotions is with the dig, because it can help you not only regulate your emotions, but it will help you heal from the past and it will help you have like tools and a plan for when things arise, when stressful things come at you again, you have a plan. And the dig is a process and it's an entire curriculum where I teach you how to do this. I was working with a couple this last week and the, the, the husband had been unfaithful to his wife. And it was interesting as we'd kind of broken this down because they both wanted to work on this marriage. But he just felt kind of almost justified in the sense that he wasn't getting, quote unquote, the attention or what he thought he needed from his wife. And so I wanted him to see how something in the past started this kind of cycle. It was generated from some past wound or experience. And as we went back deeper and deeper into his past, we kind of made the connection that with his dad, he was very um, disengaged and he was a successful athlete. The dad didn't come to his game. He didn't, he didn't come to his games. He didn't really cheer him on or support him. But what he found is that he got all sorts of accolades from people around him. And that kind of became his way of coping was the accolades from others and that validation. And again, it's like when we talk about buffers, it's not that the accolades and the validation are a problem because they're not a problem. But when they replace our own inner validation and our own inner kind of emotional regulation and knowing that things are okay, that's when it becomes a problem. And because he had never really addressed this, he had carried this kind of coping mechanism with him into his marriage. And it was causing a lot of pain for his wife and really for him and their whole family. So for him to be able to go through the dig and figure this out and then kind of turn this around, reframe this, and understand that he has to find that validation within himself and not look for it or expect it from others before he can really have a healthy, truly healthy relationship. And it was such a big aha for him because he didn't really know why he was doing what he was doing. And yet he was going down this path of if he didn't stop, it was just going to cause more and more harm and a potential breakup in their marriage. And so when I talk about the dig, when I talk about doing the work, it's called work for a reason because this is painful and it's difficult, but you're in pain right now probably. Most of us deal with a certain level of pain and discomfort in our life that's not productive. And the idea with this is to help you have productive discomfort so that you can learn how to become emotionally resilient. And what I love about being emotionally resilient is that you don't have to have arrived and figured everything out, or it doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges or disappointments or traumas and trials in your life, but you know how to bounce back quicker when you're emotionally resilient. You know what to do. You have a plan. 
you take action, and you take responsibility. And that is huge. That is empowering. Because no matter what happens to you, you always get to choose how you respond and who you become. And that, my friends, is power. And it's healing. And it's where peace can reside. And again, that is what I want for each and every one of you that are listening. Because I know that none of us are going to escape pain, disappointment, traumas, challenges in our life. That is part of the human experience. I'm here to help you have less suffering and more peace and connection in your life. And I promise you it is possible. Even if your life is okay right now, there is always room for more peace, for more hope and more possibility. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to the Let It Glow podcast. If you enjoyed this show, share the love with a friend. This podcast can be found on iTunes or subscribe on my website at www.let-it-glow.com. And remember, let go and let it glow.